0: Welcome to Bear Books Podcast.
1: I'm April Berry.
0: And I'm Daisy Ray. This is the podcast where new authors bear all for their readers.
1: Together, we're going to be finding our next favourite author.
0: Fantastic. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Bear Books Podcast. This is Dan Weber's episode. Having produced two spoken word shows to date, Genre Fluid, is the culmination of three years of writing, touring and performing at various events and festivals across the country. Genre Fluid is a study into labels in everyday life, in the arts and the LGBTQ community and we are having some of those fabulous poems read to us today by Dan Webber himself.
1: Yeah I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this actually, I, was, I love this book.
0: So one of the things I've noticed about this book then is that it's not just a straight up book about poetry. It seems to read like the script for his one man show because it's got all the notes and what he says in between the poems. If you're not watching the show in person, you can read the show, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I thought about it when I first started reading it. I was reading all the little bits and I thought, oh, I bet that's what he says in between the shows. In terms of that, sort of so what he says between the shows, it, it kind of gives me a bit of a different impression about when I actually go and watch somebody on stage then. So do they script what they say or is it ad hoc?
0: Well, yeah. You really couldn't depend on ad-libbing everything between the written poetry, though, if you were a stand-up poet, because... If you stand up, up there one day and you're in a really crappy mood or something really bad has happened, but it's best face forward and the show must go on, then you're going to be really poor at ad libbing. And people that have paid their money, they're not interested in the behind the scenes. No, to see a show.
1: No, I did like the poems. I liked some better than others. And obviously, when uh, when it comes to my review, that will that will be something that comes out. But I thought they were very thought-provoking. They were funny, absolutely hilariously funny. A couple that we got into to read out on the show, uh, but there was some that we didn't. And it was really funny because one, one of my favourites was a poem called Escorts, and it was really very near to the bone.
0: Maybe not one um, to read out, then maybe one for people to go and read for themselves. I think sometimes he uses dark humour to tell a story. I quite like the fact that there are little bits of writing and introductions and feelings maybe in between the poems. I think it gives the poems a little bit of context.
1: It does. I also like the way that in his poems he kind of sort of talks a lot about his family. The relax forward slash superheroes is quite funny as well. Again, it's a little bit family orientated. Whether or not you are into poetry, it is actually a book, I think, that's that's well worth reading. It's got some, some really, really, really funny content in it. Uh, and it's got some content in it that possibly, if you're a little bit older, might make you think back to your, like it did me, back to your 20s and your 30s and what kind of things you got up to.
0: It was 100% a different kind of world then, though, wasn't it? And what was acceptable and what wasn't and what people would just give you a really hard time for.
1: Yeah, it was a different kind of world, one that, I, for one, would never kind of really want to go back to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that 100% having lived through some of it. Before we hear from Dan, um, this is one of the things that we don't talk about because we do pre-record these interviews before the show comes out for you. And this is called Wonderland. And I just think it hits a bit of a nerve and it hints at maybe things will be all right one day. So this is Wonderland. Teenage boy applying lip gloss in a supermarket mirror. So then he called me queer and I was like, yeah, and his friends giggle like it's no big deal. Stealing from the samples, they trade eyeliners and ever so slightly, the world changes.
1: Mm, Things are a lot more accepting. That would never have happened in the 1980s.
0: Not for a second. No, no.
1: Change Changes for the better.
0: Yeah. I think we'll know when the world has changed enough, when nobody cares. Isn't that a sign of equality? Nobody cares what gender you are or what sexuality you have or what your preferences are. It won't matter. What will matter is what type of person you are. And that will be all that yeah. matters.
1: And that's a world really that we ought to be living in.
0: Yeah. Moral fortitude. Yes. What, what sort of character does somebody have? Is this a person that helps you, that does their work, that takes care of their family? They're the things that matter. What matters is not what you prefer in the bedroom. Has nothing to do with how you do your job, how you live your life. It's just its just not a thing.
1: No, it's not, and it shouldn't be a thing. Blimey, we've got quite serious, haven't we?
0: <laughs> Which, is, <yeah. laughs> Which is funny, really, because there is a really humorous slant on Dan's book, honest.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> has it done its job has it done what he set out to do because we've got really serious about it and kind of sort of started to think about other things is that what he's really driving at i think it is i think it it is is what he's driving at
0: well it does say that is addressing the issues of labels etc yeah i mean do we even need labels Well, that's a whole other podcast so for now then let's hear from dan Good, thank you, how are you? I am good, lovely to see you again. Yes, yeah, it's been a while, you too. Guess what I've been reading today?
2: Ah. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> <laughs> I've got my rather battered copy here, actually, here as well. This is the uh, one with all the notes all over it and scribbles on different gigs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dan has kindly agreed to read two, three, four, five. Yeah, the how book many? Which, 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 which ones? <laughs> I read the first few out loud to my partner while we were having our Mackie earlier and I couldn't read them for laughing and she went, that's just not funny <laughs> which just made it more funny than ever <laughs> it was hilarious and the more she frowned at me, the more I laughed and the more I read <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny, I she love lost, it.
1: she lost the sense of humour Jean.
0: Well, it's not quite as crude as mine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously not in the book, but there's a poem I used to do. So genre fluid, even though it's the first time I've done a full-length show, and it's obviously the first book, I've done two previous shows before. There was a show called Project 28, which was about surviving the 27 Club. And there was a very short-lived show called A Gasm Bingo, which we don't talk about because it was terrible. Uh, It was awful.
0: Um,
2: (laughs) It was a poetry show, and the idea was when you heard certain words, you ticked them off a bingo card. And it didn't work because nobody listened to the poems. They just listened for their words. They're all sat in the audience with their bingo, bingo cards like that, not paying attention to the poet. <laughs> didn't work. Um, but there is a poem called Lewd because one of my first kind of, not proper gigs in Derby, one of my sort of kind of headline sets in Derby, the compare worked them after me and said, isn't he lewd that Dan Weber? Isn't he lewd? And I was up all night going, am I? Am I really? I didn't think I was. I might be. Oh no. Because it was a bit more blue back in the day. It was a bit more Frankie Boyle back in the day. But um
0: Oh, you totally <laughs> are, <all> Dan. <done.
2: laughs>
0: Thank you. So do you want to start reading us one out of the book or do you want to start us on something nice and new?
2: Um, should we have something nice and new? So, yeah, I didn't, haven't written a lot since Lockdown, I'll be honest, but uh, I'll tell you more later on. But I was working on a whole new set when all this kicked off and I had a 30-minute slot booked in at Nottingham Poetry Festival to do half hour of all new material. So I, I wrote loads before this happened in preparation for that. And of course, when the, uh, the lockdown hit, I just kind of closed my laptop, went into bed for about a week and a half and didn't do anything. You can imagine, can't you? Um, Such but a shame. Was, Oh yeah, I know, it was ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong, the industry is completely struggling and, and please do, you know, where you can Hopefully. support your artists. I've been saying for weeks, please support your artists. Um, but one of the ones that was finished just before lockdown is the one I'm going to read first. So it's um, new, in, new in context, so we say, and it's called Toothbrush. When I was working away and in a fix, I bought myself a pink toothbrush, got home, placed it in a tub by the sink, and my mother noticed and said, you can't use a pink toothbrush. Pink is a girl's color. Now, I love my mother more than anything else in the world, but her mentality is a bit 1950s. Blue is for boys and pink is for girls, and that's the way it's been for a hundred years. Baby clothes and nurseries should be colour-coded accordingly. In the past, she's found it difficult, my rainbow flag pin badges, but I know she loves me and has greeted all my ex-boyfriends she has ever met with open arms, even the ones she didn't like, even the ones I didn't like. (laughs) when we are born those around us map out our love life without second thought isn't he a little heartbreaker a smashing little guy give him a few years he'll be making all the girls cry and would you look at her such a precious little girl just you wait come valentine's they'll be queuing around the school to give her cards at break time there's no malice in it parents just want what's best They picture first dates, prom nights, engagements and grandkids, and can you blame them? In so many stories, it's boy meets girl, princess finds prince, living happily ever after, hopefully better than their elders did. Idyllic, heteronormative bliss. But I can never give you this. I'm writing poetry, not wedding vows. I can never give you the legacy I know you wanted deep down but I will do whatever it takes to make you proud. Thank you.
0: Aww. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be your (laughs) mum. No, I won't. I'm far too young. I'll take it all back.
2: (laughs) Uh, My mother is incredibly supportive, as both my parents and my family is blessed, but uh, it's funny because my publisher realized the other day, and this is not intentional, but in the book, especially, I talk about my brother and talk about my father quite a lot, but my mother doesn't get a mention, and I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I wish I did know, but I think it's. I write so much about my father. Loads. There's three or four in the book which mention my dad, or something my dad has said, or something I've t- spoke to my dad about. But my mum, she's uh, kind of sacred and, and untouchable in poetry. I think.
0: Okay, that's a strange concept. You'll feature one heavily and one hardly at all. Yeah, that's, that's not Do you think you're looking for his approval more, trying to include Ooh, him more.
2: That's maybe. a good question.
0: I, you know, it's funny you mention
2: that because obviously when I kind of came out to them, I thought my dad would be, you know, put out and my mother wouldn't. It's all the way around. My mum really, again, that's what the point my mother really struggled um, because she was so, yeah, it sounds awful like that, doesn't it? She was sort of very much looking forward to, you know, girlfriend, fiance, wife, grandkids. And of course I can still have that. I can still have the other you know, grandkids. Of course, you know, everybody can in that respect. But it's that thing about you know, I'm never, I'm not, yeah, I'm writing poetry, not wedding vows. It's that thing. And I think she really struggled with this kind of, this mentality of seeing her, you know, two of her sons grow up and imagine what it's going to be like, and maybe not getting exactly what she planned. But my dad was, my dad was absolutely fine. And I think they're both fine now, you know, this it's, it's it's not a poem that's meant to kind of highlight any insecurity or any kind of issue at home. They're wonderfully yeah. supportive. They haven't read all the book. Um, I've banned them from reading some of the book, I must admit. Um, but yeah, what what they've read they really like. Well, so <laughs> maybe really... it's the
0: opposite of what I said earlier. Then maybe it's more about your dad is so accepting that you're not going to offend him if you include him.
2: Yeah, maybe that's true. That's very true. I
0: never thought. I don't oh, know I must why say, I'm psychoanalysing. I don't know where that no, came it's, from. No, it's, it's well, someone.
2: Should, to be fair. It's overdue, <laughs> so someone should.
0: Tell us a little bit about why you started writing poetry.
2: Um. Phew.
0: It's how I, it's
2: no, it, it's how it makes sense of the world. It it really is how it makes sense of the world. So, my background is theater, a bit of comedy, nothing to the extent I'm doing now. But, you know, to be fair, without sounding very cliche, I came out of a long term relationship uh, that, you know, took place the majority of my 20s. And when I kind of came out of that, the world had changed. You know, I'd never done online dating before. I'd never used an app before. I wasn't used to kind of the dating scene. Goodness in my late twenties, I was a bit chunky around the edges and lost a lot of hair and was kind of just, Oh, I'm starting again now. And poetry really just was a way of, of dealing what was going on and putting it down to get out of my head. I say poetry is therapy all the time cause it is. And then I started going to Twisted Tongues in Derby a long time ago. And um, after a couple of drinks, someone said, get up and us a poem and I did. And then I just started writing, you yeah, know, once a week, twice a week, to have something ready to go back and perform there the next night, the next time that the night was on, and all of a sudden I was doing 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and people seemed to like it, which was the main thing.
1: When the email first landed in the Bear Books inbox, I was a bit dubious, but Daisy convinced me to review it as she had interviewed the author a while ago for a radio show and was a fan. The book arrived through my letterbox and I started reading it straight away. Danny's a poet but his poems have humour running through most of them. Not all, some are very serious dealing with some very interesting but controversial subjects which even in the 21st century are brushed under the carpet or ignored like it might simply go away. The book is the script for want of a better word of his show. The show notes bring a sense of flow to what would be without them just a book of poems. I have a few favourites in the book, some people never learn, which is true, Dan's father tries to give a reason for this, but it's actually just an excuse for someone's discriminatory behaviour. Anonymous at 6am, an ode to dating apps, which for those of us who are single can totally identify with. Another one of my personal favourites is Escort, which deals with the mercenary and very sad outlook that some people have towards sex. The poems in the book took me back to my 20s and 30s in the 80s and the 90s which really shocked me as this is current material identifying and highlighting that actually some things never do change. Listening to Dan read some of his poems brought them to life which I struggled to do as I was reading them as obviously I was putting on my own take on them. The theme of the book is labels, labels that we put on ourselves, that society labels us. Ken sort of thinking that somehow we all have to fit into a category, which we actually don't. I'm still trying to find mine while rapidly approaching my twilight years. All in all, a collection of humorous poems dealing with dark issues, presumptions, perceptions. It's made me want to see the author live in a live show, to be honest. And it's also made me realise that this is a book that I never actually would have bought myself uh, so it makes me wonder if I'm actually missing some really, really good material out there. I would recommend reading it. I would also recommend going and seeing Dan, actually, because I thought it was really, really funny. Uh, we had a very, very interesting interview with him um, and he kind of brought a lot of the points to life. There's not a lot else I can say, actually. Enjoyed it.
0: Can I request a light-hearted moves?
2: Yes, of course you can. As bad as it sounds, this came about from working in Leicester. I used to well I still do a bit of work in a theme park in Leicester, and it was just that thing of again not to stereotype or put everyone in the same box, but seeing gentlemen of a certain size just sat on the park benches or on the uh, the picnic tables or sat on the you know on the little fields outside the park just sunbathing and me thinking, you know, goodness if that was a woman sat so there'd be chaos and and what is it about you know how is it society can say that's fine. But anybody, especially because I've got friends who've, who've been in restaurants and cafes and started breastfeeding, they've been told they shouldn't do that. or They can't do that. And it amazes me how that's stigmatized, but you know, you know, Phil from Coventry can sit there with his 40 odd frame and just let everything hang out. Bit of moobs. <laughs> on a warm summer's day, why is it okay to have moobs on display, but not boobs? Who made it this way? Who are these anti-tit hypocrites who sit on committee and band the titty? More the pity. You go to any city here or abroad on a warm August day and you'll see slapheads and beer bellies strutting away, man boobs on display without a care in the world. But say you're driving round town or walking around and you see a mother breastfeeding her child. <laughs> Some people go wild. Becoming enraged like it's strange, they completely lose their minds. Mankind has worse crimes than showing some nipple at lunchtime. Are we, as a nation, so against titillation? Society teaches that nudist speeches are okay, but breastfeeding in public? (laughs) Breastfeeding in public is wrong in every (laughs) single way. But. If breast is indeed best, I say let's put to the test a new page three. Introducing Phil from Coventry. He's a heavyset man, 48 double E. His interests include beer and misogyny. I don't know about you,
1: but I know what I'd rather see.
0: Oh, I said British.
1: In, in term, reading through the book, Dan, I was, I mean, there was a couple of, of ones that I really liked. And one of them actually really, really made me sort of think about things. And that was some people never learn. Yeah. And it really, really did. And again, you mentioned your dad in that about, yeah. you know, how his, his explanation of why people behave like that. So what was the, the, what was the incident that inspired that um, so I always make a point of, of never naming names. And
2: again, that's a great example of a poem that's not supposed to, it's not supposed to criticize one particular person. It is an observation and something I found very difficult. It actually got to the point, uh, again, not to give the game away, but the person who employed me for that certain gig, who knew knew what had happened, let's put it that way. So me and another member of staff had a conversation, which is mentioned, obviously, in the poem. They used a disgusting term, and me not having the confidence to call out someone who was a lot older than me and a lot more wise, allegedly, stood there and went, ah, isn't that brilliant? Yeah, thank you very much for helping, and ran away. And i spent the next few days just feeling uh, just so... You know, it's that I'd love to say that every time I hear something that like I do call people, like I'd love to, but I can't, it's always, it's always a thing, and it always, as someone doesn't like confrontation especially, that's very difficult, and I'm getting better, but I don't think anybody hand on heart calls out someone 100% of the time, just because of the situation, if I can say mm-hmm. so, so anyway, yeah, so the, the person who hired me and the other person for that gig knew what had happened and knew I wasn't happy, but I, I didn't realise, and shamefully, only heard the poem when that person saw the show. So he came to see the show and support me and heard the poem for the first time. And of course was completely, you know, hit in the gut because he realized how much that affected me and how really, not that it wasn't dealt with because it was, but how such a little thing can affect someone moving forward. You know i mean it's got to the point i haven't worked with that person since and i don't think i would but even you know i was thinking if i if i walked onto a gig and he was there what would i do and i don't think i'd want anything to do with him because no. i said it, it was such a flippant and it's funny you mention that because that's one of the pieces we, we took the show to edinburgh last year just for a week and it was incredible but that's, it's incredible experience but that's the one thing more people spoke to me about that poem than all the rest put together because i think everybody has one of those stories. Everybody has a time where they've been in a social group or they've been in this situation and someone said something and they've not felt able to respond in the way they want to. And I think the nice thing, and one of the the duties of of poetry and performance in that way is is sort of giving a voice to those kind of people. I'm not trying to give a voice to anybody, may I say, just to clarify. What I mean is you're able to kind of tell people, oh, I've been there as well by what you're saying, and you say, it's okay. Yes, but it's never too late to change it. You can always, maybe not in that exact environment, but the next time strive to say something. And it is difficult. I'm, I'm the first one to admit it is very difficult. But it yeah, is it's... very
0: difficult.
2: So um, I, it's funny because, again, one of the things we learned at Edinburgh is I do give a, a trigger warning before this poem now because they are incredibly important. So yeah, content warning, trigger warning for transphobic language. Uh, this is called Some People Never Look. He turns his nose up at the vegan homosexuals banging on on stage, and claims that bacon for breakfast should be every man's birthright. And I let it slide, not wanting to cause a fuss. With a dry, uncomfortable smile, I leave the room and put distance between us for the rest of the gig. Because this is work me, professional me, head down, don't rock the boat me, and it's only two days. So really, how bad can it be? When it's time to leave, it's just us guys, and he thinks he's in like-minded company, complaining about his digs for the night. Haven't you heard? They let trannies in now. That word. That word so casual in his vocabulary like pausing for breath. My colleagues stir either side and feel me tense instantly, their eyes shifting apologetically away. They expect me to say something, but I don't. I am dumbstruck, head down, don't rock the boat. I stand and shake the hand of a man I have no respect for, and thank him for his help. While on the inside, I am angry at myself, angry for not speaking up, for not calling him out. My father tells me it's to be expected. That certain men of a certain age think a certain way and there's nothing we can do to educate them so it shouldn't let it get to me. But it does.
1: Because if no one speaks, nothing ever changes.
0: It's very true, isn't
1: it? It's a, yeah, it is. It's, and if nobody speaks up, nothing will ever change. See
0: so how yeah. right and you I are, think- April, just on this one occasion. This is my personal review on Genre Fluid by Dan Webber. For those of us who haven't seen Dan's stage routine, his own personal hybrid of comedy and poetry, this book is the next best thing. It's a mixture of the snippets of life and observations that inspire the poetry, woven around the poems themselves. Almost like reading the show, I guess. Of course, on the one hand that means you don't get the performance aspect or the inflections in all the right places. On the other hand, you can give it your own personal spin, plus you can read it as often as you like. I read a couple of the poems aloud to my partner ahead of interviewing Dan for the podcast, and I couldn't get through them without either laughing out loud or stopping for an oh what moment, and the odd too much information crept in there. Certainly emotive and even educational in places, stuff I didn't know Stuff I'm not sure I wanted to know, and reminders of how hard life has been over the decades. I believe a lot of what Dan has to say is relatable, particularly to the guys of the LGBTQ plus community. For me personally, reading this book is a shareable experience. I enjoyed reading aloud from it more than I enjoyed reading it alone. A poem that demands instant discussion has hit a nerve, I think, and it makes... Me think and want more input from other people just because reading it to myself is not enough. As a tool to educate, this book works. As a form of entertainment, this book really works. I would certainly slap on an 18 rating, and I'm aware it won't be for everyone, but for its niche LGBTQ market, this is a must read. Or in fact for anyone else that is maybe curious. You know the old adage, many a true word spoken in jest. Well, that is genre fluid for me. Yes, it's hilarious and yes, it's exceptionally well written. But as you wipe the tears of laughter from the corner of your eye, you can't help but realise that maybe Dan is leading us to think a little harder about life. He's just using more carrot than stick. <music> one of the nice things as we were saying because like the world is full of heartache right now and so many deaths but one of the things that people are missing because of it all is conversation and i think that's one of the things that our podcast is really good for because it's got me out from an anonymous mixtape radio type thing where i speak like for maybe 10 seconds every 20 minutes to a full-on conversation and with strangers with new people with talented people to amplify voices to showcase work and it's just the most amazing thing i feel honored if anything actually that this has grown out of something bad and i I, i'm really thankful for that it's one of the Mm. things i am thankful for that's my moment
1: (laughs) 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 you're not going to get one of them from me
0: nobody would believe you
1: no, I don't think they would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so before we say goodbye, can I have my poem?
2: Yes, you um you only send kisses, don't you? Oh my goodness. Yes, wonder, please.
0: Though. Well then we can end on a hi there. How wonderful is that?
2: Cool. Um I wrote this poem on my phone walking between Derby train station and Derby bus station. I'm not gonna say who it's about, haha, <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> the train station to the bus station. Okay. This is called You Only Send Kisses When You're Horny. You only send kisses when you're horny. And being at your beck and call was starting to get boring. You had the chance for this to advance, but you told me you wanted to keep things cash. Well, I'm done with that. I'm dressing smartly for a change. Trying not to arrange a date that I know isn't going anywhere just because I am so damn scared of being alone. Of staring at my phone all night. Wondering who else is awake at this time, and feeling like this. You only send kisses when you're horny. And I should know by now that cross is there to warn me, but I'm still making mistake after mistake, taking whatever's offered without question, without hesitation, without consequence or recompense, in an attempt to feel a little less like me, wrapped in an embrace I could pretend is real, albeit briefly. And I always say that this time is the last time. Until the next time, and the next time, and the next time when I hear that message chime and I'm there, right back by your side, looking you dead in the eye and thinking, what are we doing? Ruining a friendship. We both know this is never gonna be a relationship. And although you call me babe, I wasn't born yesterday. So please don't treat me this way. You only send kisses when you're haunting
0: me. Isn't that just so real?
1: Yeah, very real. It's extremely real. That
0: unfortunately. Yeah. So you're not going to tell us who that's about then?
1: <laughs> no, no,
2: no, 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 no. Never name names.
0: Never name names. Well, it's one no. of the
2: first things I, I decided never name names because it's again, it's not it's not about embarrassing or you know accusing anybody. They're meant to be universal and hopefully they are. Um, yeah that's one of the tricks it's it's writing for yourself about yourself but also writing a for the person in the room needs to hear it but also writing in a universal way other people can hopefully understand and acknowledge and appreciate
0: yes i don't think people would relate to it if, it, if there was a name exactly in it. you can't apply it to your life or feel it if oh, it's about somebody i've never heard of yeah yeah you're doing exactly the right thing i think your thank work you, is hi. amazing oh bless you thank you been so much fun dan honestly and thank you so much for yes joining us. thanks no, so, so much that i've
1: enjoyed really, really it. it it's been a pleasure where can we find you online then dan so all the usual places
2: i'm dan weber spoken word on facebook i'm dan underscore weber underscore poet on twitter i'm i'm genre fluid on instagram and um, my website is going to be up and running as of the second week of august which is www.imgenrefluid.com
0: Huge thanks to Dan Weber for coming in today and sharing Genre Fluid with us. April, tell us what we've got coming up for Episode 7.
1: Yes, thanks ever so much, Dan. Uh, episode 7, we are reviewing The Wondrous and Her Suitcase, which is actually a true story. It's memoirs uh, by Mira O'Hara, who grew up under the constant glare of a violent and charismatic cult leader as she drifted between Germany, Switzerland and Austria. And this is a story. It's a true story. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. It sounds like it's going to be a very interesting book and a very, very interesting interview.
0: Perfect. See you next week.
1: If you want to be involved and read the books along with us, use us like a book club, share your views and opinions, send either an audio clip in an MP3 format or an email or both, because the audio clip will have to be attached to an email, to contact us at Bearbooks.co.uk.
0: If on the other hand you happen to be an author that has just finished your latest masterpiece and want that reviewed on a future episode of Bearbooks Books podcast then send it to us via email at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk.
1: And now that you've found us why don't you subscribe, you find the podcast in all the usual places where you find all your podcasts, share, share, share Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All this information will be in the show notes.
0: We are April Berry and Daisy Ray from the Bear Books podcast. Thank you for listening.